welcome to the podcast for Winton Baptist Church. We hope to encourage you in your walk with Christ through the teaching of God's Word, posting our Sunday messages online and other periodic devotionals to keep your faith strong in Jesus. Check out our website at wintonbaptist.com for more ways to connect with us. We would love to hear from you. Be encouraged, and may the Lord bless you always. Well, we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're, we're in this for a little while. And if you've got your Bibles, it's in Matthew chapter 5. If you want to turn there, uh, we're going to be there this morning for a little bit and some other verses as well. We'll continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as we go through the, this passage in Matthew, understand that it's the longest sermon uh, we, we have recorded from Jesus, the longest uh, preached sermon that we have from him and uh, that's a wonderful thing to look at. And so uh, this is uh, uh, the sermon that's preached by the great preacher. And so it, it's, it's a less of a practical way to live a moral life, uh, in, but more so it's a way for us as believers to truly understand uh, what living the Christian life is all about. Do we really understand what living the Christian life is all about? Uh, in our beatitude this morning, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the beatitude that we're studying this morning, verse, chapter 5, verse 8. We're going to look at what Jesus meant by being good and what we can look forward to because of Jesus. Now, I don't have to remind you of the tragedies uh, and confusion that we are experiencing in these chaotic times. We really are experiencing that uh, a lot. It seems like literally every Sunday... Uh, there's something new to, to pray about. There's some tragedy uh, that we have to grieve over, some, something we have to go to the Lord in prayer on, and, that, and, that's, and that's fine. Uh, but maybe some of you have wondered, when's this going to stop? When are we going to get a break? God, can we, can we get a break from, from this? When will, for example, the, the unspoken campaigns against conservatives and Christians ease up? When will righteousness ever prevail over evil? When's it going to happen? Uh, maybe that's a question you've maybe thought in, in, in the back of your mind. I wonder when it's, when's it going to ease up. Well, let, let me assure you, and it has, it is, and it will. Righteousness has prevailed over evil. Righteousness is prevailing over evil. And righteousness will prevail over evil. That righteousness is found in Jesus Christ the God-man, the sinless man, the spotless lamb, the suffering servant, and the righteous king who will judge the earth. Justice will come. It's, it's like the beatitudes Jesus is teaching. It's an already but not yet uh, kind of attitude. There's a condition and a state. Jesus mentions the condition. Then he, mentions, then he says the result of, of that condition. That's how the beatitudes go. Blessed are the... the, the Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. If you're poor in spirit, what you lack spiritually is fulfilled with Christ in us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What do we mourn over? Are we mourning over the sin and we see in our world, the, the, the tragedy of sin and the, the evil that we see? Do we, do we grieve at that around us? We will receive uh, comfort in Christ. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And that's strength under control. That's not uh, kind of meek and weak. It's strength under control. And they're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
For they shall be filled. Now, God's righteousness is defined uh, by several things. Justice, mercy, and those who walk humbly with their God. You know, blessed are the, the, the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And we show mercy by uh, our generosity to other people. Uh, we're familiar with that, the compassion that we show to folks uh, sometimes as we go by them. But also, we show uh, mercy. Uh, it's defined by our relationship with God and how we share the gospel with people. That's a merciful act. Sharing the gospel with people, sharing your faith with other people, being the light of Christ uh, to others in your world. And this morning's beatitude, we come to verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Watch what happens. For they will see God. They will see God. When, when Jesus used the phrase pure in heart, he was referring to moral purity or the absence of impurity. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It also has, has the idea of a single focus. Uh, you're focused only on one thing. There's nothing there to take away or distract you from focusing on God. That's what pure in heart means. It's a singleness of mind. As it goes, if, one heart's is, if, if your heart is singularly focused on living right and living morally pure, then the result is that what? They shall see God. The pure in heart will see God. And so, you know, we're going to see him in this life more clearly because we don't have the, the junk in the way. We're going to be able to see the things of God and understand the things of God more clearly. Why? Because sin is not in the way. Sin is not distracting us. We can uh, have a focused heart and mind on God. And also in the future, uh, we will see him face to face in the next life. So we look at the heart this morning and it's conditioned before God. Why? To understand what it means to truly have a blessed life. Not blessed by God, you having many blessings from God. That's not what this means. It really means to be in a blessed state, uh, a state of having the favor of God. This are, these are those who walk in the favor of God. And so when we see this this morning, uh, I don't know about you, but it, it definitely gives me a moment of pause when I read this, this verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart. And that immediately for me, I, I'm just to be honest, I'm convicted. God, is my, is my heart pure? Uh, when I see this, you know, my, I know that my heart is not where it needs to be with God. God, is my, is my heart pure before you? I, do I have a singular focus on serving the Lord Jesus? Not 100% of the time, if I'm honest. Are we honest with our walks with God? Are we, are we, do we understand that? Are we, do we look at other people and say, uh, they're so bad, they're, they're, not doing well. they're not doing well. What about me? How am I doing? Do I have a, a singular focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and where it needs to be? You see, it, our hearts, they're, they are, they're sinful. We, we understand this, but our hearts weren't originally that way before. Uh, before, uh, when God created the, the, the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve, they had a pure heart. In the beginning, they had a pure heart. So we need to look at the, the past state uh, of the heart. Adam and Eve were the only human beings besides Christ to have a pure heart at one point in history. Watch this. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. It's going to be on the screen. It says this. this is about, it's about Adam and Eve. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and, and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. So it's at this point in creative history that the human heart was pure. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, before Adam and Eve took the fruit of the serpent, 
and, and to know good and evil, you know, God said, don't touch the tree of good and evil. Uh, guess what? You'll die. Before that moment, their hearts were pure. Before they took that, that fruit of the tree of good and evil, their hearts were pure. So there was a time that their hearts were pure. They're, they were solely focused on what? On obeying the Lord. What did God tell them to do? God told them to, to subdue the earth, to tend the garden. Uh, and, and, and you know, God gave Adam several duties to name the animals. He was working. God ordained work even before the fall. God created us to do good work. And so they were focused on that. And they were also focused on loving each other as husband and wife uh, before the fall. Marriage was ordained before the fall. A very, very wonderful thing. Watch this. They felt no shame. In the midst of this, they felt no shame. There was no embarrassment in their nakedness. Scripture points this out because it's one of the core reasons we have clothes on now. We're, we're, uh, we feel shame now without them. Shame focuses on the person, uh, and shame also focuses, you know, whether self-caused or caused by, uh, caused by something else. A person feels bad for what they have done. Before, they, before the fall, they were not aware of good and evil, only the good. They knew about the tree of good and evil, that's, but that's, that was it. That was the extent of it. They knew there was a tree there, but they didn't have the concept of evil uh, or, or the bad, so to speak. Uh, but once they made that jump, uh, it was really uh, a bad thing for the rest of humanity. You see, there was a much deeper pain and a stark reality of crossing the line and disobeying the Lord. But God, in His love, did not make Adam and Eve robots. And he, he didn't make them robots. A robot, was it, what does a robot do? A robot just obeys uh, its master's program. You know, the, the programmer programs the robot, and the robot does just exactly as the program uh, commands it to. But that's not God. We are not living by a program. We are living freely, daily, in choosing what? In either to love God or not to love God. Uh, forcing us to choose to obey would not be love, would it? Would, wouldn't be love. Uh, freedom to choose is given by a loving creator. God loves us so much. That's why he's given us free choice, to, to freely love him. Now, presented with, with the temptation to eat the fruit, from the tree of good and evil, that's when Eve's heart turned from doing good. Uh, the serpent presented her with this idea, you will be like God. Well, no, that, you know, that, that's not true. Uh, you, you won't be like God. How, how could a human being, the creation, ever be like the creator? It was a lie. A little bit of truth mixed in, a little bit of lie mixed in with the truth. And that's how the serpent tempted her. But she was also uh, taken away by her own choice. He chose to do the evil in her life. She chose the path of disobedience, unaware of the grave consequences ahead. Adam chose to disobey God as well on several levels. He disobeyed God as a, as a husband, and did not leading his wife. Uh, he, he could have been the spiritual leader for his wife and uh, moved, led her away from that, but he did not. Uh, but he also listened to his, to his wife, and uh, who wanted him to eat the fruit also. Hey, honey, you know, have, have this, uh, this fruit here. You know, sometimes we lessen the power of sin's sting if we get others to join in with us. Isn't that true? Not only that, realizing that we, we also bring, we bring judgment on ourselves, yes, when we do that, but they're also guilty as charged as well when we do that. You cannot lessen sin by getting other people to do it with you. Maybe it might make you feel better for a moment, but be, be, be mindful of that. We are responsible for, for what we do. Once Adam and Eve sinned, the heart was no longer pure. That's it. 
Once they sinned, the heart was no longer pure. It was pure all the time before that one faithful choice. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Before that, up until that time, their hearts were pure. And they indeed were, were seeing God. You remember God was walking in the garden with, you know, and he said, where are you, Adam and Eve? And, and we're hiding from you. Well, why, why are you hiding from me? Well, because we're naked. Well, who told you you were naked? You see, their eyes had been opened. They, they had begun to feel shame. And it plunged every human heart from that day forward into a state of impurity. And every life was cursed with death and a sinful nature. Now, the, the scripture states David even echoed this. King David even echoed this in Psalm 51.5. It says this. It says, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born, when my mother conceived me. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. So David was aware that Adam and Eve had caused everyone born after him, them to receive what? This guilty condition. Guilty as charged. Uh, because we are all the, the children of Eve. Eve is the mother of all living. So we have uh, that, that, na- that sinful nature in us. We are guilty before God. Once upon a time, the human heart was, was pure, but that's not the case now. Uh, but we still have hope. We still have hope. It's not all dread and dreary. And we still have hope because we still have a God who loves us. We have a God who is pursuing us. We have hope because even when, when God cursed the serpent, you know, the serpent was, was, uh, took part in this too. God cursed the serpent. Even in that moment, in the book of Genesis, all the way back in chapter 3 in creation, God had a plan. God was making a way for our redemption when he said this. He talked about the offspring of the devil and the offspring of Eve. He said, you know what? Your offspring is going to be against her offspring. What he was referring to, Eve, Jesus Christ, was a descendant of Eve. The, the child Jesus Christ would eventually be the Lord King Jesus Christ. Always, he was always king, but he would be at war with the offspring of the devil. Watch this in Genesis 3.15. It says this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, capital H there, look at that. He will crush your head. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And you will strike his heel. Note the different blows there. Crush your head. That's a death blow. Strike your heel. Not so much a death blow. You see, Satan thought he had the final final say on the cross, but he did not. Three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and death was defeated. There is hope for every man, woman, and child. On this earth, this is the promise of God for those who want to see God. You see, that was the past state of the human heart. That's in the past. Now we move to the present state of the heart. Jeremiah seventeen nine echoes uh, like this. He writes it very well. He says that there's the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You don't have to look very long to see that uh, a person's heart. It's not so good. Uh, you know, we, we often say, oh, they, they were good. Or, you know, we, we, we kind of think that there's, we look at the good inside of you. you know, we, we, we think sometimes that there's good in our hearts and there's a good spark in our hearts. And deep down inside, that person's good. No, that's not what Scripture says. It says all of us, the heart is more deceitful. It's deceptive. You might think it's good. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? If we are to be pure in heart of one focus, there's something important that, that must take place. And that something is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The problem with the world today, the problem with people who do evil things is not their environment, it's not their upbringing, 
It's not their economic or social status or even their circumstances. We've seen people rise up out of that. We've seen people rise up out of their circumstances, overcome that. We've seen that. So it's not that. Why do we keep saying in our heads, what's wrong with people? Why, why are we doing that? You see this stuff that's happening on the news. Maybe you've just turned it off. I've talked to some of you who said, I just don't watch it anymore. I've turned it off. I'm tired of seeing it. What's, what's wrong with the world. You're seeing things that you, you've never seen in your lifetime before. I'm certainly seeing things that I've never seen in my lifetime. This is a real issue. It's concerning for the church. There, there are real things that are happening uh, that, real, that affect the church. Supreme Court ruling uh, in, in the, uh, for a church in Nevada, Calvary Chapel in Nevada, said you can't meet. We are not under the state. We are under God's law first. I will say, I will say that when it, if it comes to that. We will, we will meet. Uh, we, were, we are not under man's law when it, if it supersedes God's law. But you see, this is a real issue. All of a sudden, people are, you know, what, what are they doing? They're concerned about their safety. So there's incredible amounts, you know, gun sales are off the chain, ammunition off the chain. Why? Because they're, they're, they're fearful. They're concerned for their safety. And so it, it's, a different, it's a different era. And, and Jeremiah paints a picture of the condition of the human heart today that explains our dilemma. Why, why things are happening like this. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. You, well, I thought, I thought I knew that person. I really thought, I, I thought they were a good person. You know, I thought, I thought they loved God. And then we see uh, things happen that really throw that out of, out of kilter. We, we, we now know that the heart's only cure comes with Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. Yet we see Christians, though, acting contrary to the teachings they say they believe of God's Word. You don't have to be around very long to discover there are men and women of God uh, who have fallen greatly. And it puts a black eye on the church. It, it, it really dings the church. And it hurts the witness of the church. A book I had in seminary uh, really describes the issue at hand. And the title of the book is like this. The Heart of the Problem is the problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Bodie Bachman, uh, uh, Bachman, a pastor and theologian at Grace Family Bible Chapel in Texas, said it this way. He said, the reason for the calamity that we're having at, the, at this moment in our culture, you're seeing all this stuff on the TV, here, here's the real reason for it. Here, here's why this is happening. Men have loved darkness more than the light. And he was referencing Jesus' words in John 3, 20 through 21, it says this. Jesus, Jesus said this. He says, For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But everyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. You see, as believers, we're always going to battle against sin this side of heaven. We're always going to struggle with sin. It's always going to be a fight. We can win that fight. Uh, but when we, when we get defeated, we have to have sh keep short, short accounts with God and confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all righteousness. Christ has come, made his home with us in his heart. But, you know, Paul addresses this issue as well, this issue of uh, this, you know, sin in our lives. What do I do with this sin in my life? I, I can't believe I did that again. Or why, why can't I just get rid of this habit? Uh, you know, what, what is it? And he, he talks about that in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, these, these passages here. Watch this. I'll read this. But watch what happens as Paul, the Apostle Paul, struggles with, with sin himself. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, 
sold as a slave under sin, for I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me. Paul acknowledged that. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it. It is this sin that lives in me. So I discovered the law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present right there with me. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. You see, we now have a clear picture of why people do the things they do. This is the answer. It's because the law of sin is still at work with us in our, in our flesh. We battle against the flesh until the, the Lord returns. It's just going to be a struggle, but it's not an impossible struggle. As we get closer and closer to the Lord Jesus, as we get closer to Him and have a singular focus, get rid of the junk, that's the distractions, and there's always going to be distractions and new distractions and, and new things that try to take our gaze off the Lord Jesus, we're going to be a ha- we'll understand what it means um, and why people do the things they do. We're going to see clearly the closer we get to God. You see, for the believer, our lives, uh, living before God is like driving a car. We've got uh, Clexton over here has got a car. Uh, you know, we've got some new drivers in, in our midst. And so driving a car, um, Clexton, what, what, what do you try to, we've got these yellow lines here. What happens when you go across the, the line? What, what, what happens real quick? You're on the wrong side of the road. That's right. You're on the wrong side of the road. When you cross that yellow line, there's trouble ahead. And so, so living the life of a believer is kind of like driving a car and you've got the yellow lines on one side of the road, at least in America, and the white line a lot of times on the other side of the road. There are lines that you need to stay between on the road. The lines are there for a reason. Cameron's also practicing soon, coming up. I forgot about that. And there, there, there's a, a reason to stay between the lines. Now, what happens if you get over there and you cross that line, what, what, what's going to be your first reaction, Cameron? What are you, what are you, what are you going to do? You, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> and a, a, after you freak out, then, then what are you going to do? That's right. You're going to, you're going to make a course correction. <laughs> that's great. Uh, you're going to make a course correction. And, and, and when you make that, you realize you've gone over the line. And then you make that course correction, you're, you're back in line with God again. You, you're, you're back in tune with, with, with the road, and so you understand that the car, the other lane, if there's a car coming, it's dangerous, you're going to get hit. Uh, and if the car veers over the line, like Cameron said, you freak out first, and then you get back over. Okay? Uh, we, do, we do a course correction. Same thing in the believer's life. If you veer off course, 
If your heart goes astray and you, you oops, I, I didn't mean, I, I sin, Lord, I'm sorry, keep short accounts with God. You veer across that yellow line, what do you do? You, 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 you don't freak out, but you, you go back over and, and, and you, you trust God. We do, we do get upset. We, we do, we do, sometimes we don't know what to do. We can trust God, though. We can, because he can, keep, he can keep it in the lines for us. And so, as we grow in our Christian faith, you'll find this, that we'll have to do less and less correcting. Same thing as a driver. As you're driving more and more and more, you won't go over the yellow line as much. Uh, you'll understand, hey, I need to keep it in the lines. And I'll understand that, and so you'll become a better driver. And you'll become, a, 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 as a believer, you'll become a better follower of Christ because you'll, you'll develop habits that keep, keep your life in the lines, keep your life in the lane, singularly focused of following Christ. Having a heart that sees God is one that has a lot of course corrections. And so that's the Holy Spirit nudges us and convicts us, and we respond more and more to the obedience in our lives. And we grow closer and closer to the Lord. It's called spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Keep it in the lines, and God's going to grow you. He's going to grow your heart. And as you have that singular focus, blessed are the pure in heart, singular focus, for they will see God. And then we're going to look at the future hope of the human heart. The future hope, really, it's all summed up in the message of the gospel. You know this, John 3.16. It says it like this, For God so loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's just an amazing story of the hope of the gospel. That's the future state of, of the heart. For everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Life. It's such an amazing promise that Jesus gives us uh, in the book of John. And he furthers it. He further talks, Paul further talks about the heart in Romans 10, 8 through 10. Watch this. It says this. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth, and in your what? Heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. Not our righteousness, but God's righteousness. Our heart becomes pure. We will see God. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. You know, we talked about shame earlier, earlier in the message. Will not be put to shame. God sees our heart. He sees Christ in us. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we finally go to another passage in 1 Thessalonians Verse 4, 16 through 18, it talks about the future hope that we have for those who are in Christ. It says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We will be with the Lord forever because of what God is doing in our hearts, 
what he will do in our hearts. And he's going to use us. He's going to help us stay within the lines in our faith. We've got to have course corrections. My prayer for you is that you would be encouraged with these words, and we would encourage one another with these words. What great hope we have during this time. A wonderful hope. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we can encourage one another with these words that we're going to see Christ one day. Christ is coming back. We need to keep it in the lines. And if we, have, we have a, need a course correction, the Holy Spirit's there to convict us, and Jesus is there to forgive us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord. We ask, Lord, for your mercy, your forgiveness, Lord, for we fail you. God, we celebrate the fact that one day those who are in Christ are going to see you. And even now, God, as we do our course corrections, we're going to see more and more of the things of God and less of the things of the world. God, allow us to love you. Allow us to seek that pure heart. Uh, to get rid of the distractions, to have a, a singular focus on you. In the midst of, we see all the calamity and chaos. We understand that the heart is wicked, the heart is evil. But God, you, can, you will give us a new heart. You are forming our hearts in Christ. Encourage those that are here, God, with these words. Encourage us, God, in the Holy Spirit as we walk with you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Maybe there are those here today who, who need to just simply uh, repent, Lord, of, of something that they've, they've, they've done. They need a course correction. Uh, we can do that as a, as a family of faith, but we can make a course correction, whether it's they need to ask forgiveness from their spouse, or they need to do business with you and say, Lord, I haven't been devoted as you as I should. Let me get back on course. There's always hope, God. There's always a second chance. You're the God of a thousand second chances, God. And you love us, Lord Jesus. Lord, would you do your work in our lives today as we respond to you? We ask these things in your name. Amen.